My guest today are Jonathan White of Sexual Kung Fu and Will Blunderfield of the Urban Yogi Podcast. And I was excited to speak to these guys because we have very different backgrounds, but we've come to similar conclusions in our work around using the body and the sensations and some would call energy towards finding your authentic expression, especially as a man. Jonathan, you may know him from Sexual Kung Fu uh, YouTube channel. He speaks a lot about Taoist sexuality uh, practices. Uh, Will teaches um, Kundalini Yoga and a uh, different yoga-based practices, and it's super interesting speaking to these guys because of the very different backgrounds, but eternal wisdom is universal, and, and I think this is all part of what I see as a, a cultural shift around masculinity, where men all over the world are realizing that perhaps the framework's been given to them, whether it was to be a hard ass or to be a nice guy, are not right, and they're not authentic. There's something, like, there's a burning inside, which I think most people feel during puberty, and many men, unfortunately, numb out through porn and, and stuff like that afterwards. There's something, like, very raw and instinctual and real and, and pre-egoic, if you will, that tells us the right way to be through authenticity, and one way to access that is uh, through sexuality, certainly through the body, and not through intellectualizations, which I think have, have ruined many men, unfortunately. So uh, the three of us are actually speaking, are, are teaching together in person in the end of August, August 29th to September 2nd in Vancouver. It's an awesome retreat center. Uh, Will has been there and checked it out. So it's I'm super excited for this because aside from the, the, the collection of information that we're going to be putting together, I'll speak for myself and I talk about this a little bit in the podcast. When I was on this journey trying to find my own self, and my authentic empowerment and my masculine edge, if you will, I felt crazy a lot because I was the only person that I knew doing this stuff. So it's always this weird secret that I had. Whereas when I actually started connecting with people in person, other men who saw the world my way and, and were working on things and had similar goals and were trying to create a reality similar to the reality I wanted to live, it just like enhanced my reality because now I long, no longer felt crazy. It's kind of a trippy topic of confirmation of reality. But anyway, I won't get into that now. If you want to check that out, it's uh, August 29th to September 2nd in Vancouver. The ticket link will be attached to this podcast. Hope to see you there. It's going to be friggin' awesome. Right now, you're listening to episode 057, Sexual Kung Fu with Jonathan White and Will Blunderfield. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. Here with Will and Jonathan, we've uh, all connected through the internet around men's sexuality, uh, men's growth, specifically with a sexual focus, and uh, we're actually putting on a retreat soon, which we will speak about, but it's great to be here with you guys, I mean, uh, and connect and speak about this important topic. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me, Rwanda. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I was thinking maybe uh, we could all introduce ourselves a little bit, uh, just for anyone who doesn't know. Um, maybe, Will, you want to start by saying a little bit about your background? Yeah, totally. Do I need to have my earbuds in for this to work or is it okay? I think it's fine. Fine? Okay, sweet. Yeah. Good. Sometimes there's like the echo, but I think we seem to be good. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i a yoga teacher predominantly. I've been teaching Hatha yoga for the last 10 years. And then for the last three years, I've been getting into Kundalini yoga. And, you know, I love my job, but I was getting kind of sick of instructing downward dog all the time. It was just getting kind of boring. I had a bit of a run-in with cocaine. I became addicted to cocaine about five years ago. For about two to three years, it was not good. It wasn't the worst addiction ever. It wasn't like I was doing it every day, but a few times a month. And I just felt like a total fraud because here I was teaching yoga and promoting a healthy lifestyle. But then on the weekends, I was going and doing these street drugs. And the thing in Vancouver, I don't know what it's like where you guys are right now, but it's mostly fentanyl. 
like that's actually what got me off of it is I realized I wasn't even doing cocaine. Like cocaine's bad, but fentanyl is horrible. And then I had a cousin who passed away of a fentanyl overdose. He was doing cocaine recreationally. I'd already decided to stop by that point, but that really reified, obviously hit home. And um, I discovered Kundalini yoga around that time. And I realized that through breath patterns and certain ways of holding the body and the spine, certain mantras, especially the breath work, can get you way higher than any drug ever could. And so I'm really passionate about sharing the technology of Kundalini yoga with people because it's helped me so much in my life, staying sober uh, from cocaine. And also it's, I'm noticing it's helping like tons and tons of people around the world. It seems to be exploding. And I love what you guys are doing because the whole sexual Kung Fu Taoist energy work is something I feel is a little bit lacking in Kundalini yoga because it's always seems to be bringing the energy up, but never back down. And so I'm really fuse the best of Kundalini yoga from Taoist energy medicine into some, uh, what I believe is going to be a very holistic approach to energy work in general. Yeah, I've heard a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of my friends have gone from like, from recovery with substances into something like Kundalini Yoga because mm-hmm. the, the passion for that high or that higher fidelity experience is still there, but obviously without the, the negatives of substances. And I think, you know, it's, it's a, a thing I think a lot of people know, but maybe don't acknowledge that there are natural ways to get high, sexual energy being one of them. Yes, yeah. totally. And that's another thing uh, before, so I don't want to, spend all the time talking about my history. But one thing I noticed in Kundalini Yoga, at least in the whole sort of 3HO, very traditional Yogi Bhajan Kundalini Yoga world, is there's almost like a nunnery or a monk kind of uh, vibe that starts to happen where people become, in some cases, almost completely asexual. It's almost like a complete denial of sexual energy, yet we're being told to squeeze the rectum sex organ navel like 50 times a class. So it's just really interesting. And You know, I teach naked yoga for women, for men, and for co-ed. And when that community found out, they were all about to disown me, uh, essentially, and not allow me to teach at their studios. And we had an in, in-person meeting, and I was able to find some common ground with them. So it's all kosher now. They said, as long as you don't hand out naked yoga pamphlets at our studio. It's like, I'm not going to do that. Um, but long story short, I've, I really feel like there are a lot of these Hindu and Sikh faiths and yoga lineages where it's like, don't think about sex at all completely bypass it and i don't even think that's possible because there's a lot of sort of if you look at like the catholic church for example there's a lot of like underground shady stuff that happens when we suppress so i really am interested in what you guys have to offer and from your lineages where it seems like the the idea is not to repress your sexual energy but rather to cultivate it and then learn how to separate orgasm from ejaculation so you're not wasting your energy right yeah and i want to come back to that like the fear people have around sexuality but um, yeah, uh, so Jonathan, you want to share your background? Yeah, so um, you know, as a teenager, I had a high sex drive, and I didn't know what to do with it. You know, so like most guys, I just jerked off to porn every day, and uh, I couldn't get girls because I had no confidence, and I was really just going nowhere with my life. You know, by the time I, I got to my twenties, and uh, and so I, I just kind of hit a brick wall, and it was like, okay, like how do I how do I take control of my life and my energy levels? And so I started, you know, I started studying yoga, meditation, but it was really, you know, I read uh, Montauk Chia's book, The Multi-Orgasmic Fan, and that totally opened me up to this new idea of 
of wow, maybe it's it's draining me to ejaculate every time I have sex, and that there's there can be something more to it than that. And so I, I started studying with Taoist teachers. Um, you know, I started seeking out all these different teachers, and much like Will was saying, you know, you can get high without substances. That's what Qigong and all these Taoist practices became for me. It's like there's this energy, you know, this not to sound like a hippie, but it's like, we can tap into this universal energy at any time. And when you really develop the skills to do that, it's incredible. You can take your health, your happiness into your energy levels into your own hands. And so it was just such a life-changing thing for me. And to take control of this sexual energy, learn to harness that because our sexual energy is our creative energy. It's our driving force. And, um, and we've been so disconnected by what that power truly is and how we can truly harness it, you know? So, so learning these practices was so refreshing for me and it, it, it changed so many aspects of my life. And now that I'm sharing it with other people, I see it transform their life as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just the power of, of consciously working with sexual energy and cultivating it and not being controlled by it, but turning it to a driving force in your life is so powerful. And so that's why, you know, I pursued this work. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think, I mean, the common thing, and I think it's actually bigger than obviously just sex. I, I and this may be limited, I'm mean, coming from a limited view perhaps, but I do think there's like a zeitgeist occurring amongst men and male culture. Like with, with for instance, like ejaculation control has been around, I mean, Montauk, it's been around for like millennia. Montauk, yeah. she has been around for many decades, but I think men are finding it more interesting now for whatever reason. And I think it's related to a lot of cultural shifts around men being like, okay, well, I can't be numb to my emotions, but being like, like Will was saying, cut off from like my lower centers doesn't work either. So I think people are realizing that maybe it's just the people I hang out with, like you guys, but I think it is cultural too. I think it is. And I think as we, as we are part of this wave, it's going to become more and more like the masses are going to tap into it too. I mean, even Kundalini Yoga, one of my mentors, Guru Jagat, her book is now in like Zellers. It's like a Kundalini yoga book about like, you know, bringing the energy up to and it's now on Target and Zellers and stuff. So it's slowly starting to kill mm. Yeah. Yeah. And have you noticed uh, shifts in maybe like the guys who show up to your yoga classes or, or Jonathan, like I know you're, you're starting to teach in, in person too. Have you noticed like the, the type of questions guys are asking has changed perhaps? Well, for me, you know, I've really only been doing this full time for just under a year. And so uh, what I'm finding is that, you know, tons of men are becoming interested in this work. You know, it's, it's, it's really becoming a hot topic. So yeah, as far as like, if it's different types of people, I can't say too much because I track all kinds of different people, but there's definitely a lot of men interest becoming interested in this work. Yes. I'm noticing that too. Like um, I'm getting a lot of private clients who want to now not just learn yoga, but they want to learn tantric exercises and they want to learn about the microcosmic orbit. And uh, I, I feel like you've hit the nail on the head. Like there is some sort of shifting energy. Like Yogi Bhajan talked about the, the Piscean age, which was all about a suppression of knowledge, a suppression of sexuality, which lasted for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that, that wave, that, that age ended in 2011, 2012. So now we're in the Aquarian age, which is all about a sharing of knowledge, um, an embracing of sexuality. Apparently the Mayans predicted this age. Uh, it's not just the Kundalini Yogis, the Sikhs, different Hindu lineages and First Nations lineages predicted that there would be some sort of shift during 2011, 2012 to more of like an embracing of wholeness and uh, reconnecting to our sexual energy 
in a in an empowering and more balanced way. And that I really like what Jonathan was saying a few days ago. We had a conversation that really the the purpose of sex is to cultivate neutrality and neutral mind. You were saying something like that. I'm I'm probably butchering it a bit, but I like that sentiment. Is that kind of what you said? Yeah, well, kind of the idea, you know, I mean, just my per- per- perception of it is that sex is much more than, you know, we see it as like the lowest drive. But, you know, in my opinion, it's really like one of the highest drives, highest spiritual drives we have, you know, it's the drive to recreate ourselves to, to bond to create new things, you know, when we have sex with someone, you know, we're in these polarized bodies. So when we literally unify our bodies, we create neutrality. We, we merge with that person. And this gets us into this, this neutral state of being, you know, we get out of this polarity mindset and we just feel at one, you know, and it's, that's why we're also attracted to sex. Right. And it's, I feel like it's all the way about you talk, how you talk about it. Cause I, I was advertising things as like, this is a semen retention thing. Or, but people are like, why would I want to retain my semen? That sounds so boring and pointless. And then now I say multi-orgasmic man and tantra. Ooh, I want to learn about that. And so it's all about the verbiage too and the way you, you, you speak about it. Mm, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think- yeah. Go with the spirituality piece. Um, I mean, this just ties to what you were sharing before, Will, that I want to speak about, which is like the fear of self-sexuality. So like so many spiritual lineages cut off, cut themselves off at the waist. Why? Because sex is so chaotic. Like it's like, it could really take you off your path. I mean, it could put you in addictions or compulsions or, you know, whatever is not intentional. So a lot of people cut them off. But like you're saying, the church being an example, but you know, a lot of the gurus who are being, have me too experiences now is like all these guys who are saying, don't, uh, don't play with your sexuality had these terrible shadows involved. So it's like, that doesn't even work. Um, and, and I think that is part, part of the shift that you're maybe talking about 2012, Mayan calendar, perhaps of moving towards uh, secrets. Like we, people can't keep secrets anymore. Everything is going to be public. Everything is going to be out in the open. Like, so authenticity is key. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Movement. Huge. Yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, part of what allows that is social media, which has many toxic elements, but social media does co- like put us together as a world community. Like you and I, all three of us actually met through the internet, right? So like we have this global community, which, which I think keeps people accountable, uh, even though a lot of people think like, oh, everyone's being fake on the internet. It's probably a little both. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like we're in this incredible time. It's like, you know, all these practices we're, we're, we're learning now, these sexual practices, these were like the highest kept secrets for, for yes. maybe thousands of years. You know, it's like the emperors in China had these secret sexual Kung Fu practices that they used to, to extend their lifespan. But, and they would like, you know, they would def- defend these secrets with their lives, you know, pass it from father to son. And, and now it's just, it's out in the open. All these ancient secrets are just like, you just do a Google search and you find them, you know, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. There's another thing though. I was actually just speaking about this with a, a student recently um, where I think people are afraid of their own sexuality. It's not just a, a, a collective thing because he was saying that he would go in and out of doing arousal control and semen and retention because he noticed when he cultivated his energy, uh, it was really hard to bullshit himself. And he'd be like, oh, if, if I go too long with like cultivating my energy, it's like, it's going to make me quit my job or, or ask out the person I didn't, I was too afraid to like, I was like, oh, I just had to, you know, I had to watch porn and jerk off just so I wouldn't have to hear that voice in my head. I'm like, well, but that, that's your power. That's like your truth. And I get that fear too, because people are afraid to do what they want very often. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you more of who you are, you know, cultivating yeah. your sexual energy. Yes. 
does. And I think that's why it's so important to, like they say, you're, we're so influenced by the people we surround ourselves with. So when we start to be more mindful about who we spend our time with, it becomes easier to take the chances and the risks that we need to take to quit the job that doesn't serve us, to ask the girl out, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, um, one of my mentors was uh, speaking about this on how, I mean, this is kind of like a matrixy view, but like, uh, we never can really trust our senses, right? Like we, you perceive something as blue. How do I know that you perceive it as blue, for instance? But we get, we confirm our reality based on other people seeing the chair where we see the chair. Like we all see a cup. I know I'm not crazy. But with like abstract things of like, should you follow your truth? Or should you, you know, be a creative person rather than a drone? If we hang out with people who believe that, it becomes a lot easier to think that's normal. Whereas if we're around people who are like trying to bring you down, it's really hard to be authentic in those environments. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious about you guys, like, uh, as you've learned to cultivate this in the last few years, let's say, what have you noticed about your behavior? Or what, as far as like your authentic self coming out, like, what have you noticed? Have you been surprised? Like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was me. Well, uh, I guess I'll start first. I've had so many transformations, you know, in the past few years, working with sexual energy and, and cultivating that. Cause it's really like, to me, it's like, you know, just, just practicing semen retention alone will give you limited results, you know, just holding back this energy because it's very raw and it needs to be refined. You know, I practice Taoist internal alchemy where you're, you're moving that energy throughout the body, you're steaming it and you're refining it to more reusable, you know, uh, like a refined steam, so to speak, and, and moving it through all the energy channels of the body. And then it's just pouring out into your world as you're interacting with others. And so, you know, it's like, when you're turned on, you know, when you're sexually turned on, there's this obvious shift in your body. You know, it's, it's your heartbeat increases. You feel, you feel more in your body. You feel more energized when you're sexually aroused. Well, it's like when you can channel that sexual energy into other things, you know, you can turn on your career in that same way. You can turn on your sexual, your, your spiritual path. It's just like everything just, you know, has become amplified. So that's really what I've been seeing in my life uh, the past few years as I've been cultivating my energy, just tremendous growth. Yeah, the refinement's so important. I think I spoke with you both about it separately. Like, I think no fat, for instance, is a great idea. Like, get guys to stop jerking off to porn so much. It's great. But I do think that community is a little limited. And, like, they're just, like, their entire goal is to not jerk off to porn. But what do you do with it, right? So you have all these guys, like, white-knuckling through life, trying not to look at porn. Meanwhile, they're not moving forward with anything or doing anything with that that creative force. And then they get in a relationship. Sorry, then they get in a relationship, and and they just get back into their old sexual habits. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to do something with the energy. Got to have skills, and 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 that's where Taoist energy work and different forms of yoga come in. Yeah. It yeah, will. I mean, have you noticed anything change about your being as you went, let's say, from the cocaine phase to into Kundalini and? Totally, totally. Uh, Well, so the Kundalini training, so I went ahead and I did the the teacher training. And so it was basically four days a week, four days a week for eight or nine months. And so they taught us everything from like uh, what Yogi Bhajan taught about nutrition to lifestyle things. For example, the cold exposure is huge in the Kundalini yoga lineage. So they call it Ishnan. So having like a 10 minute cold shower every morning. They had us get up at 3.30 a.m. at least 15 times throughout the training to do this thing called the Aquarian Sadhana, 
which was basic, which is basically this yoga and meditation and chanting sequence, two and a half hour sequence that Yogi Bhajan gave to strengthen people for these times. And so we're so doing all this stuff that really forced me out of my comfort zone. Like I hate getting up early in the morning, but we had to do it. Going to these camps out in the forest and doing these, you know, two and a half hour sequences whenever when the rest of the world is sleeping. It really so there's a big focus in the training on on service. We we had to mop the floors of the yoga studio and set things up and make food for each other and have these different sort of seva service responsibilities. And it completely shifted me. I went from feeling like I couldn't really stand on my own two feet, you know, doing the cocaine, which is really fentanyl, which totally fucks up your nervous system and it kind of makes you feel weak, to slowly, you know, going over to my parents' place now and then just automatically doing the dishes, like without, you know, because I realize when you do people's dishes, you're you're burning your own karma and you're burning their karma. At least that's what you're taught. So just like this complete shift. A complete transformation from being kind of lazy, not really disciplined, uh, getting, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd to now part of an amazing men's group. We check in every day. I get up, you know, five or 6am every day. Um, and just like so much more drive, like I started a podcast and all this stuff came from the Kundalini yoga plus the semen retention. And to be quite honest, at the beginning, I was like, ah, what do I do with all this energy? And I felt very ungrounded. But now that I'm fusing the Kundalini yoga with some Taoist energy work, it seems to really be helping. And also now I'm, I'm very clear about what I'm here to do. Like I, I set out my monthly goals. I've got this day planner called the Desire Map Planner from Danielle Laporte. And basically every month you write out your core desired feelings. So mine are Aquarian. I want to feel like I'm part of this Aquarian age like an ambassador of it, amazing and athletic. So what do I need to be, do and have every day to generate those feelings so that I don't have to ask other people to be different so that I can feel the way I most want to feel. So I kind of run my life by my core desired values or feelings. And that's huge because then I have like this focus for my sexual energy, doing things that help me generate those core desired feelings. Yeah, I love what you're saying because a lot of the stuff you mentioned in your yoga training have kind of become trendy life hacks recently, but they've been around for thousands of years, cold showers, getting up early. Yeah, you know, yeah recently like, biohacking of the cold showers, <laughs> the, the Wim Hof and stuff. All that Wim Hof stuff is Kundalini yoga. Yeah. 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 It's some Tibetan practices too, isn't it? Some Tibetan breath work? Oh, perhaps. I just yeah, noticed a lot some... of what, what, cause I did Wim Hof and I love Wim Hof and a lot of the stuff he was doing, the breathwork stuff was very Kundalini yoga. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what we were saying about the service, so like I, I, a lot of my training was in a, like a residence, ashram like residence and doing chores was a huge part of it. And I hated it when I was, I went, it's like, why did I move into this place to do work? But yeah. actually specifically washing dishes or even cleaning, cleaning toilets where you could really see the, the gunk disappear. Like some, something would always be different about me. I'm like, ah, I feel like I have a effect on reality in like a very pleasant way. And like, that's um, still like, I, I don't have a dishwasher specific. because I like the few minutes a day, right. Scrub stuff off a plate. Like it actually, there's something even masculine about it. Like making it, yeah. making an impact. Yeah. And it becomes like a moving meditation and the better you feel in your body, the more pleasurable everything whether it's doing the dishes or doing the taxes or making love, like the whole day can start to feel better and better 
as we cultivate these good daily habits that keep us feeling good in our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I realized I didn't really answer your question why I didn't talk about my behavior change. And I'll just, I'll just be brief about this. So three years ago, I was working in a restaurant, you know, making like $10 an hour, you know, like, <laughs> and then and uh, I would come home from work, I would do my Qigong for like an hour and a half in the park. And, uh, and as I was developing this energy, all of a sudden, I, I had all these ideas like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm tired of working nine to five jobs. So I started, you know, started a business started doing this. And it was just like, you know, I became so, so much more driven, so much more confident, really taking on more of a leadership role versus like, okay, I need to go work for someone else. So just really empowered to take control of my life and, and sculpt the life that I choose to, instead of just uh, being a slave, basically, like so many other people. Yeah, I think the common thing, which is probably universal is uh, when you really cultivate in this, like the stuff in you and you, you do these right habits for maybe the simple reason of not being tired, which is, I think, a common reason why people get into health and spirituality, it like forces you to do all those big things that you used to need willpower for. It's like so many people have these big goals to be athletic or wealthy or loving, but then it's like so much work to do the thing you know you're supposed to do, like so much work to go to yoga or the gym. But when you, when you feel, when you prioritize feeling right and being right, it's like you have to do that thing. <laughs> That's true. I started going to the gym just because it was like, okay, I have so much energy. I need to put this into something. So I was like, you know, just effortless just to go to the gym. Yeah. I was actually speaking to a guy yesterday who um, wanted help with porn addiction. Like he's, you know, and he has all these goals. And like the, the short version is he's been avoiding doing this thing he's really wanted to do with his career for a long time. But he's, afraid, he's so afraid of his desire that every time he feels that impulse, he would jerk off. He'd be like, oh, I need to jerk off again. And he'd be jerking off three, five times a day to avoid feeling this strong impulse to do the right thing, essentially. And I was like, if you, dude, if you just did this thing, you probably wouldn't have to jerk off that day. Just do the thing. Yeah. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, something that I think we've been kind of skirting around is the idea of vulnerability, which I think is part of this change or shift culturally with men. And um, I think there's many angles, but I'm curious about naked yoga, Will, because I don't have a lot of experience with it, but I know it's an important practice that you teach and uh, mm. practice. And I, I'd imagine it has something to do with more than just not having clothes on. Uh, could you yes, say a little yeah. bit? <laughs> well, I was listening to an interview with Rosie Reese the other day, and she's a, a very well-known, uh, reputable naked yoga instructor out of Australia. And people always ask us, is, is why? Why can't you just do regular yoga? Why do you have to do it naked? And, you know, well, first of all, it's, it's your birthday suit. Like RuPaul says, we're born naked and the rest is drag. So I feel like, you know, a lot of our lives can be very, people's lives can be very performative. And, and, and clothes can almost be like a layer of ego that we put on. So for me, it's like a, it's the ultimate vulnerability. And this is what Rosie Reese said. To show up in a room full of people who are naked and they're strangers, that takes vulnerability. So in order to be vulnerable in that situation, you have to have strength. And so really what you're doing is you're cultivating strength when you're, when you're going to a naked yoga class. Then the idea is you can take that strength out of the naked yoga class and into your relationships because it takes a lot of like if you've like read the work of Brené Brown like it takes a lot of vulnerability to make your relationship work so that extra strength to fuel your vulnerability you can take into your workplace or wherever 
So for me, I see it as a form of strength training. Mm. You know, because we're born that way, and I feel like it's a very colonialist zeitgeist to think that we all need to be wearing clothes twenty four seven. You know, and I get I get a lot of heterosexual men in my classes and please don't tell anybody that I'm here. There is a desire for men to want to be naked together. You know, the first six Olympics were done naked. The word gymnasium means a bunch of men working out naked. Um, the YMCA up until the 80s or 90s in Canada was nude swimming men. You had to be naked when you went swimming. And then something shifted where I get messages from guys now, oh, dude, I wish I could, you know, come, but I... I can't even get naked in the locker room. Mm. Something changed. Like, I don't know what happened, but I remember I used to find it very uncomfortable to get naked in the locker room. I went to University of British Columbia, and right there is the North America's biggest, nicest nude beach. So I would go down, and I would study biology, and I, <laughs> both biology and my own biology textbooks, and I would just be so naked to take off my clothes. But I would quickly take off my clothes and put my textbook there, and just like reading, I just remember being so uncomfortable. But over the years, now I can show up in a room full of strangers and instruct a class. And I, I don't, it's taken about 10 years, but I don't feel weird about it anymore. Yeah, I don't have a, a ton of experience with nudism, but my times I've been in like nudist beaches or resorts or something, it's, it feels funny for like half an hour because you're like, oh, I usually hide this part of myself. But after a while, it's just like, it's so much work to worry about it. I'm just like, whatever. And it's, and it's just like the Brene Brown years stuff you were saying, like with anything emotional that we're ashamed of, once you put it out there, it's like, oh, there's, there's nothing there anymore. Like there's nothing to worry about or feel bad about. Like it's just like a little hump uh, that we have to get over. Yeah. Once you shine a light on it, it's like, oh, like a lot of people who come, they're like, oh, I thought, like, because people hear rumors about the class. Oh, like, Will is teaching naked yoga for women. He's probably just, like, herbing on them. He's, like, pretending to be gay. And, like, like people have all these weird theories and stuff. And then they come and they're like, oh, like, I, I see your genuine intention to, to hold space for people to feel more comfortable in their own skin. Like, thank you. And I, got, I have this, this elderly man with Parkinson's He shapes these different pharmaceuticals. He's not well. He takes off all his clothes and he sits on the mat and he stops shaking. And he's literally not shaking hardly at all for the, the whole Kriya, the whole set of postures. And then he starts, he gets up and he puts on his clothes and he starts to shake again. And I asked him the other day, I said, do you notice like you don't really shake at all during the Kriya? He's like, yeah, it's like a miracle. I don't get it. He said, when he goes to like a clothed yoga class, he still shakes. Hmm. So there's something about I don't know if it's like because he's totally present, like you, you have to be completely present in that situation or it, it's more conducive to being fully in the moment, out of your head and in your body. I don't know what it is, but it, it's amazing to see that. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know if this is related because I don't know enough about Parkinson's, but I have a friend who has like a Tourette's-like twitch. It's like, it's kind of minor, but he tells me that when he's being vulnerable, it goes away. Like when he's really being real, it goes away. When he has to do so, like when he goes to his day job, it's really bad because he's being fake a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know if it's related. Um, yeah, I'm so sure, curious about this cultural shift. I'm, I don't, again, I don't know if it's in my head or just uh, because like, so, so Jonathan, you've been on uh, YouTube for a while. And I think, uh, Will, you actually pointed this out recently that 
your view your views have shot up. I mean, you're probably one of the. I mean, type in sexual kung fu. Your channel is probably the only thing that came up for a while. <laughs> Actually, because that was the name of your channel too. When I first discovered yeah, yeah. Jonathan, I I it was like a few years ago, and I typed in sexual kung fu, like maybe ten views, thirty views, hundred views, and then I check it a few weeks ago. It's like thirty thousand views. Like you know, like you, I don't know how many followers you have, but like it's it's exponentially increased over the last. Yeah, it's it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, I'm about at uh, fifteen thousand YouTube subscribers now. So yeah, there's wow. there's a lot of interest in in semen retention and sexual cultivation. You know, it's 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 a hot topic, definitely. And there's not a lot of people presenting this stuff like in a in a practical way. Like a lot of people are talking about it, but it's like, okay, well, how do I actually how do I make this a sustainable lifestyle? You know, so it's it's definitely a a, a, a rising trend. Yeah, I, I appreciate the practical side of your your channel because, like, after I read um, what was the book, Think and Grow Rich, you guys be familiar. There's a, yeah. a chapter on sex transmutation, and there are a lot of YouTube videos that talk about sex transmutation, but everyone is just as vague as the book, or maybe even more vague than the book. Yeah. Like, well, is anyone gonna break this down? <laughs> yeah. I remember like listening to the audiobook and like reading the book. I got it from the library, and I was trying so hard to understand sexual transmutation. And it wasn't until I found Jonathan's channel that I started to understand it. But I, I, I felt like I manifested Jonathan into my experience because I was frustrated <laughs> by that fucking Napoleon Hill book. Like, <laughs> I want to transmute my energy, but how do I do it? And then I yeah. realized it's actually pretty simple. Just bring the energy up your spine. Yeah. But you have to have enough energy to feel it. And most guys are in ejaculation hangover. Even if you ejaculate once every three days, I think that's still a little too much for most men. Maybe if you're in your early 20s, but when you're 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it's like most men are in ejaculation hangover. So when we talk about this stuff, they're like, well, how do I do that? Well, I believe that you have to stop ejaculating for at least a week or two to actually start to feel it. I think you also need to have some sensitivity to energy and some, you, your body needs to be open or else, you know, if you try to bring sexual energy up, a, it's up a jammed up back channel in your spine, you know, it's, it's not, you're, not much is going to happen probably, you know, and at best you might just get it stuck somewhere and amplify some un unconscious pattern because sexual energy amplifies things. So it's really important to do the work first to clear the channels, clear that space for the energy to move in, and then you'll have much better success. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of men with a nine to five jobs and, you know, drinking too much or doing too much drugs, that sensitivity gets dulled. You're just mm. sitting in an office chair staring at a screen all day. You know, yeah. that, that sensitivity does need to be cultivated. Yeah. I did it with the, working a nine to five job, though. So it, it can definitely <laughs> be done. You just have to set your priorities straight. And you can do this stuff 24-7. You know, I'd be, I'd be working in the kitchen, running my microcosmic orbit, you know, doing testicle breathing. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can do it anytime, anywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, the amplification <laughs> thing you brought up. I mean, so I read Montauk Chia's books when I was a teenager. But every time I tried the microcosmic orbit, it would get like, like blocked in my thoracic spine. It was like, it's like mm. I can't. And I also was having back spasms. I was like, oh, this is a sports injury. And maybe it was partially a sports injury but when I started opening my heart you know and expressing my emotions and letting myself experience love I realized that part of this physical symptom was me blocking my emotions and I couldn't feel energy past that part of my body it was, it was like there was like cement there and um once I started learning how to feel express my emotions it's like my, my back pain went away it's like there's something it's more than just coming without coming like you're you're fixing you're removing cement in your system 
Yeah. 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 Totally. You know, we hold these patterns, these traumas and, and things from, you know, oftentimes from, from our childhood in our bodies. And, uh, cause we're, we're literally closing ourselves down to the, to the flow of life, you know, to the intensity of life to protect ourselves. So it's any, anything you can do to, to let go of these things is going to help you tremendously. Yeah. I still have really tight hips. I'm wondering maybe when we, we all meet up, I can learn some things and figure out <laughs> what emotions are in my hips. <laughs> still working on that one. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think, Jonathan, with the the spike up in your like you your views, which I think is a good maybe indicator of interest in this in the world, uh, was there anything that you think caused this? Because I, I it seemed like it was like a pretty quick jump, or maybe not. Maybe that's just my perception. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough for me to say. You know, I think I think it's just the fact that I'm presenting it in a different way than other people are. I guess uh, that's really all I can say about it. I, I'm not really sure to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's all speculation. I was speaking with uh, Robert Glover, who wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy, because he had a similar spike. Like his book came out 15 years ago, and it became really popular like four or five years ago. And we were trying to like figure out what what is it. I, I, I think that's that's where I got the idea that there's some cultural shift going on. Um, and he's like, well, it might be, it might be Me Too, it might be certain aspects of feminism, it might be that kids who grew up with participation trophies are now adult style. Like maybe there's something like that. I don't know. We could theorize forever. But there's definitely a shift with men going on. Yeah. Another thing is that, uh, you know, some of Montauk Chia stuff's blowing up. Like uh, he went on London Real, which is a pretty right. popular YouTube channel. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, a lot of people are coming to me because, you know, they search uh, like a lot of like microcosmic orbit or or sexual kung fu and they'll find me. So they're like, hey, I, I saw Montauk Chia's interview about sexual energy and then I found you. So I think that that's one thing uh, it, that's been in my, my favor. Yeah, the biohacking world seems to be huge, whether it's, you know, bulletproof coffee or, uh, you know, uh, light block, blue light blocking glasses. Really, the masses are starting to really take an interest in cultivating a lifestyle that feels better and better and better. Mm. Um, people are starting to care more about how they feel. And they're not willing to put up with, with uh, feeling less than they deserve to feel. People are starting to to realize and, and sense their worth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're feeling better and better. It's like, Ooh, I want to feel that way more often. What, what lifestyle habits can I cultivate to feel that way more often? Yeah. And I mean, even like, uh, mechanically, we're in one of the most abundant times in history where people, you know, no one has to work a field all day. Like you actually can start to prioritize yourself in a way that maybe, you know, our ancestors couldn't. So it's really a great time. I think people are still trying to get over the, the mental block that they have to do in authentic things for 50 hours a week. But that's, <laughs> that's part of the shift perhaps. Yeah, totally. I live in a, in an area of Vancouver. Like I, I, I have really good rent. I lucked out and I found a good place, but there's this really expensive uh, building next door. And this young couple moved in. They're like 21 years old. And my friend is doing interior decorating for them. And uh, they made like millions and millions of dollars. They're, they're millionaires from reviewing video games on YouTube. <laughs> and it's so cute because like, they have no idea. They're like, oh, I thought this place like came with appliances. Like, where do we get appliances? <laughs> and she's like, I'm your interior designer. You have to figure that out. But there's these like two like 20-year-olds like who don't know anything about anything. It's just so cute. So yeah, it's like the younger generation seems to be better at getting over those blocks, obviously, because they haven't been brought up in the Piscean age. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time that we live in. And we're the first generation that can fly anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, all the humans, 
for, since the dawn of man have been limited more or less to one geographical area. And now like the whole world is, is our oyster and all the knowledge, as you were saying before, with the internet, um, there's, it's easier to share and, and uh, expand upon knowledge and interests that resonate with our hearts. Totally. Yeah. Any, any information that like ever has been, you know, is like a few clicks away for us. It's, it's a pretty incredible time. And that's both a positive and a negative thing. <laughs> it's really what you make of it. And Yogi yeah. Bhajan predicted that in like the 60s when he came, he said at some point uh, during the Aquarian age, you'll be able to like have some device where you click a button and any answer that you want will come to you through this small device. He predicted the internet and smartphones. And wow. that was his whole thing with his yoga was to strengthen the nervous system and help to bring the glandular and the nervous system into harmony with one another so we could with, withstand the pressure uh, of the technology age. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is so much pressure. I mean, everyone speaks about this and how like our brains haven't caught up to dealing with 50 million notifications at once. It's like this stuff is with the free time that we are afforded in this abundant age. We really need to learn how to handle our smartphones. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even like get on mine until at least like a few hours after, you know, I have my morning routine and everything or else I just get in a really scattered mental state and I turn it off at least like an hour or two before going to bed. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. If I check my email in the morning, it, it messes everything up. It's the worst thing. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of people being able to get on a plane and go anywhere in the world, uh, we're teaching in Vancouver, uh, end of August. Um, well, uh, you're, you're, you're in the area. Do you want to speak a little bit about the, the center and, and the schedule? Yeah. So it's a, it's a retreat center on the coast of Vancouver Island. Um, so it's just a, a short ferry ride from the mainland and, uh, it's beautiful over there. There's like whales swimming by and there's like an outdoor yoga space and we're going to have like healthy, healthy food the whole time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I didn't realize there's actually tons of retreats like this all around Canada and the world. I've been sort of doing some research. I thought like what we were doing was, was new. But there's actually a lot of like sexual cultivation and uh, yoga retreats that are sometimes clothing optional. Like this is actually a really growing, burgeoning uh, thing that 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 we're doing. So it's, I'm optimistic that it's going to be really fun. We're going to share a lot of wisdom and take the best of of all these different things that we've been studying personally that have helped us personally, and then share them with participants. Yeah, and a lot of these sexual practices. Uh, will be a big part of it, like learning the how-tos. If you've been reading Montauk Shia books for a long time and not making sense of it, you can actually have some guidance. And uh, I'm excited to learn from both of you guys and see your perspectives on these things. So I think we've all learned about these things separately. It'd be fun to, to see how what overlaps and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's something very potent and powerful about a group of people coming together to to focus on and learn certain techniques. As you said, like it's just so hard to garner it from a book. And it's so boring, you know, mm-hmm. there's one cultivated community with people who actually know what they're doing. Like with you guys, you know, because you guys practice this every day. So to, to learn from you guys, I'm really excited, you know, and I'm super passionate about Kundalini Yoga. So I'm excited to share the practices that I find the most beneficial for cultivating sexual energy. And then that process of sexual transmutation that we've been talking about using certain Kriyas, certain ones, you know, I stay away from, you know, like we, we were, Jonathan and I were talking about a certain Kriya from Kundalini Yoga called Sak Kriya, 
which is basically where you're like this, and you're going soot, nom, and you're you're basically bringing the energy up the spine, but you just keep focusing it at the third eye. And I like I was doing a 40 day challenge where I did that. You're sitting on your heels. Mm-hmm. I did that for 31 minutes a day, and like by the end of it, I started to kind of feel a little bit crazy. <laughs> so. <laughs> I feel like I've yeah right. You were saying that you were you were doing that kriya a lot and you started to feel oh, like so I was I, I was way out there doing kundalini yoga. <laughs> like I'm blown up in the fucking ethers. So, <laughs> so for for me like I've I've had like you know time to really explore these kriyas and take ones that really make you feel manly and grounded and in your body. So my whole philosophy is really get into your body and then elevate from there. But always stay. I feel I, the foundation for a strong Kundalini practice that actually works and serves you is to be really in your body at all times. There's a with a few exceptions. There's a few breathwork kriyas where you are instructed to really go up into the ethers, and it can be very powerful. Like I've connected with certain. I had a I had a partner who passed away of a fentanyl overdose. So it was my cousin, and I also had a partner who passed away and I was able to connect to him through this one Kriya. It was, it's called Kriya to break the bonds of earth and experience the heavens or something like that. And it's basically this sort of breath work patterning where you're like, and do that. And you press certain pressure points in your abdomen and uh, it's very effective. So there are certain exceptions where like it is kind of cool to go out of body but for the most part, I'm really going to be sharing grounding kriyas that help you that cope really well with what I do in the, in the Taoist tradition. Yeah. In addition to the physical stuff, I'm I'm also excited just to have the opportunity for men's group men's groups or men's group style communication. Where like what we were saying before, like if you're living in a place where you don't have people to validate the type of reality you want to live in, you just all you have are your books or your podcasts. I mean, there are other men out there doing the work that you're interested in to be physically in a room with them and be able to talk about the things you're interested in, share what you've learned and ask questions like that is such that's so, such an uh, it accelerates your your mind shift like so so potently because you're actually like, oh, I'm not crazy for thinking that I can be living more authentically or or, or not ejaculating and, and using that energy towards things. And um, I think that's one of the best parts of live workshops, which is why. The internet will never replace that, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've made quantum leaps in my own experience with retreats like this. So, yeah, it's great. Nice. You've been going to a bunch recently, right, Jonathan? I'm I'm in the middle of one right now. I'm spending a month at a retreat in North Carolina right now doing Dallas practices and internal alchemy. Sweet. (laughs) That's awesome. Cool, guys. Well, I'm glad we all spoke today. I mean, is there anything else you guys want to share? No. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Sweet. So um the the link for uh, our retreat which will be attached to this. Uh it's August 29th to September 3rd, is that right? Uh the 29th to the 2nd. Yeah. Oh, the 2nd. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, so super excited to to meet you guys and and, uh, and learn and teach together. It's going to be awesome. Oh. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to ruwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Ruwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.